Hello and welcome to the Wednesday Word. My name is Ann Hardy and I'm the Outreach Director for Desert Spring. It's my pleasure to be our podcast host for today. This is a roundtable podcast produced by Desert Spring United Methodist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. Our goal is to discuss our weekly Wednesday devotional with our guests in the hope of refreshing our spirits while learning more about the faith journey of our guests. The devotionals we discuss are related to Sunday's sermon in some way. They could expand on the theme or have a point of view twist, but always will be related to Sunday's sermon. If you miss Sunday's sermon and you want to check that out, please go to Desert Springs website at desertspringchurch.com. It's my pleasure to welcome today's guests. Today we are joined by Lindsay Hurley. Hi. And Chris Devereaux. Hello. Let's begin by reading today's devotional by Pastor David. Our scripture for today is Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 2. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In my sermon last Sunday, I talked about Jesus' teaching on judging other people. We all judge people, and sometimes for good reason. The judgment Jesus was talking about was not the judgment that it is part of a responsible life. It is the kind of judgment born out of the sin of spiritual arrogance. We call this kind of judging judgmentalism. It's the kind of judgment that brings people down, making them feel inferior in some way. Many of us have been victim to someone else's judgmentalism. Uh, Lindsay, maybe you can remember a time when someone unfairly judged you. How did that make you feel? I do. I was maybe 20, 21 at the time, and I had been working in my field for about five years, and there was a uh, manager position that had become available, and one of my really good friends was already one of the managers, and I wanted to go out for the position. And they had a staff meeting with the managers and the higher-ups. And in the staff meeting, they told my friend that they would never promote me because I was too stupid to do the job. <gasps> and they didn't think she'd come back and tell me. And of course she did. And I had already gone out for the position. And I knew at that moment that I was going to leave um, the place of employment. <laughs> Um, and it made me feel terrible because I had been there for so long and I had filled in for managers before. So I already had had my foot in the door. I had already put through the work. I knew the company. I was very familiar with it. And I felt like I was really good at my job. And to hear that they didn't have faith in me to be able to perform the task was heartbreaking. Um, so I ended up leaving the job and I went somewhere else. And I remember sitting in the office on like my exit interview and they were asking me like why I was leaving because I'd been there for so long. And I said, well, um, I'm going to go where somebody knows my worth um, and where they don't think I'm too stupid to perform the task. And the look on their faces when they knew that that they had been found out. <laughs> um, and the, But there was no backtracking at that point. They had already said it. I knew they said it. So I it just it felt terrible. Yeah. So I ended up leaving and and. I got another job doing something very similar and where I had more responsibility and I thrived there because mm-hmm. I, I knew my worth. I knew what I was able to do. Um, I knew my avail- ab- abilities and I worked out really well in the end. Wow. 
That's mm-hmm. crushing. It was. It was devastating. Yeah. Because I started working there when I was 16 years old. So I had kind of, I'd gone through my adolescence mm-hmm. and like I was approaching adulthood. And I felt like I had grown so much from starting at 16 to being there at, at 21. And I was like, man, I, I'm the perfect person for this job. And then to hear that I would not even be considered was was devastating. Wow. Mm-hmm. Ouch. I know. It just here. It was hard. It was oh it was a hard pill to swallow for sure. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Mm-hmm. I, I remember an incident um, when I was at work and I was young. Um, I was the manager on duty at the store I worked in. And a person walked in and said, is there a man I can talk to? And I was like, <laughs> they want to talk about something man related, mm-hmm. right? You know, maybe they just are not comfortable talking to me. Mm-hmm. And so I I asked what the problem was. I said, I'm the manager. Oh, are you really? I said, yes. <laughs> wow. What What is it that you need? And there was a little piece of a tent that had broken or something. And it was a little camping piece that we didn't carry. And I just thought, oh, my gosh. We don't, you know, first thing, we don't carry this. And it's like... I was a little taken aback, you know, mm-hmm. right. that they wanted to talk to a man about their tent. Just that they would assume that you wouldn't know anything about camping yeah. or tents. Yeah. Or that a woman couldn't be the manager. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. I have had really? that. I've had that with, with uh, my height. Yeah. Yeah. People would think I'm a kid. And where's the manager? You're not the manager. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh does not feel good. So the sin of judgmentalism is an easy one to give into. We look around at the world and all the horrible things that are happening, and it's easy to start thinking that we, though not perfect, are a whole lot better than many of the people around us. A sense of self-righteousness follows, and soon we are dividing people into categories. There are good folks and bad folks, folks who are right, folks who are wrong, folks who know the truth about life, and folks who don't know the truth. Of course, we count ourselves and people like us as those who are good folks, who are right about life and know the truth. The result is divisiveness as walls of enmity are built. We know judgmentalism is a big problem today because divisiveness and walls of enmity describe the time in which we live. During my sermon on Sunday, I talked about practices that can help keep us from giving into the temptation to judge others. Recognizing that everyone has a story I encouraged us to take time to listen to people's stories. As we listen to people's stories, we discover our common humanity. So let's practice that today. Share a part of your story. How did you come to faith in Jesus Christ? What blessings have come from your faith? What hardships has faith helped you through? And if you want someone to know your story, what is the one thing that is very important for them to know and why? So a lot of good questions there, Chris. Um, can you, sh- well, number one, I do, I do think that part of getting past judgmentalism is understanding each other's stories and searching for the commonality. Um, yeah, so taking time to listen to each other's stories may be one of the ways to overcome a judgmental heart. So, um, so how about you, Chris? What's, what's part of your faith story? Well, I was, um, I was adopted when I was seven by Jerry and David. And so since 
that point of my life, I really, you know, was a regular in the church. Um, up until that point, my mom, my biological mom would take me to a four square church. So much more uh, fundamentalists, um, much more strict in their practice um, or specific in their practice, I guess I would say. And um, Methodism, although I was um, brought into it from an early age and of an age that wasn't necessarily of my choice, um, I would say that of religions that I've studied or denominations that I've studied, Methodism does ring more true to me than anybody, anything else. And I think part of that is because of its openness, its, its willingness to accept people um, and to not judge. And so while um, for, for me, judgmentalism is more of a practice of remembering not to judge than to um, than having experience of people judging me. Um, and and I'm sure people have judged me in all respects, but um, I, my personality in general is kind of, um, you know, water off a duck's back kind of thing. So for me, it's more of, um, you know, not judging. And because of my, my um, childhood, um, this is kind of an interesting topic because as a defense mechanism in my childhood, I learned to evaluate people. And um, I think a lot of people with traumatic childhood experiences do that um, in order to determine whether a person is safe or not safe or, you know, subconsciously. And so judgmentalism is a part or judging somebody is a part of um, kind of our hmm. natural instinct, I think. But to, to there's almost a distinction of judging somebody for the sake of, as it says here, putting yourself up, right, saying that you are better than somebody. Um, and judging and and kind of these regular judgments that we do in order to make sure that we're safe, which, you know, uh, pastor does talk about. Um, but that's kind of my perspective of it. Wow. Yeah. I didn't think of judgmentalism really having a defense component to it, but it certainly makes sense, mm -hmm. um, you know, that maybe when we're feeling insecure or we're feeling vulnerable, that maybe some judgmentalism can creep in in those moments. Yeah, I, I would think so, yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. So what's part of your faith story, Lindsay? And how is how how did you come to faith? So like Chris, I am also adopted. However, I was adopted at birth. So my parents uh, were always, they always took me to church. I take that back. My mother always took me to church. Uh, my dad was the one that... Sunday morning was for yard work. And I remember that very distinctly, that my mom and I would get up in the morning, we would get ready for church. My dad was like, all right, time to go out and mow the lawn. And that's when he would get the mower out as we're backing out of the car. And um, we went to Trinity in, up until I was eight years old. And the Sunday school, um, my friends were moving up in Sunday school, but I had just missed the cutoff by a couple of months. And I really wanted to go with my friends. And they were really uh, strict on keeping in your class. So oh. I didn't want to go anymore. Oh. And my mom was like, well, we got to find a different church then. So we uh, shopped around a little bit. And then we ended up here uh, the same year when I was eight years old. And I've been here ever since. And uh, we just started coming. And when I got to junior high, my dad was still not coming. He was still uh, doing yard work on Sundays. And we were getting ready to go on a mission trip with the youth group. And I was one of the youth, like, teen representatives. So I was in the meeting with all the adults. And our youth director had said, all right, I, I really need a male chaperone. And I was in a room with all women. And I was like, 
my dad my dad can do it he never takes vacation he has all his vacation days saved up and the youth director called my dad and was like well your daughter volunteered you said that you have all these hours and he was like kind of caught between a rock and a hard place and he ended up coming with us and at the time it was my dad the youth director and the associate pastor who came on that trip with us and my dad had such a good time and he got to know them kind of outside of like the four walls of church and kind of was able to see them as like real people. Mm-hmm. And he started coming after that. He came every Sunday after that. And my mom had prayed for this for years. Every She had uh, very much devoted to praying for him to come to the region. My dad grew up Mormon. So it was not only him coming back into church, but he was coming back into a completely different religion than what he had grown up with. And after seeing that, it was just awesome because my dad became the one. He was like, well, we're going to sign up to be greeters and we're going to clean up after cookies and we're going to be. And even if my mom and I were out of town or we weren't coming, my dad would still come. So it was really awesome to see um, kind of the, the Lord work in that way. Um, but as far as as growing up in the church with um, judgment, I think one of the main takeaways for me, especially being adopted, I met my a biological mother when I was 16 years old and because of my history of going to church and um, seeing firsthand examples of God's love I think I was able to have a very different outlook on adoption than a lot of people that I know um, I remember meeting her for the very first time and the first thing I walked up to her and said I gave her a big hug and I said um, I'm not mad I'm not angry. I just, I'm happy to see you and I love you. Mm. And she had just melted down and she was crying and and we were able to have a really good conversation because my whole thing is going up to it. I was so worried that she was going to feel like I hated her um, for placing me for with adoption. And I had, I've only known love mm. my whole life. So I wanted to really let her know that she made the right choice and to never feel like uh, she had any regrets that it was it was the right choice for her and for my life and and I loved her no matter what there was no judgment there because I know she is she's told me her story since then and um, there's there's absolutely no judgment I I just I love her through it. Mm. What a great wow. example! Yeah, no kidding. And how many sixteen year olds are graceful enough to be worried? about someone else's burden. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I wasn't that way at 16 for sure. Yeah. Right. You know, if I was angry at you, I was going to hammer you and let you know <laughs> about it, you know? Yeah. That's That speaks, I think, to raising your kids with a level of acceptance in the church. And your mm-hmm. parents certainly were successful at that. And, you know, gosh, yeah, that's my, amazing. My parents have done a, a fantastic job at at always bringing me to church and just showing unconditional love that they've really instilled that in me to just show unconditional love. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's great. Awesome. Another practice Pastor Dave talked about was recognizing that a person's worst moment is not the person's whole story. People are more than their worst mistakes. I am not perfect, so I give thanks to God for this truth. I have experienced this truth in the lives of others many times as well. About 20 years ago, I knew a man who was mentally abusive to his wife. His abuse led to their divorce. After the divorce, the man started taking a good hard look at his life. 
After many hours of counseling, he became a Christian. He took responsibility for the pain he had caused and by the grace of God made changes to his life. A changed man, he eventually remarried, started a family, and became a leader in his church. He became an example of the power of the gospel to change a person's life. I look at him now and know he is more than his worst moments. Do you know someone who, by the grace of God, has become more than his or her worst moments? Lindsay, this sounds like you probably have a couple of good (laughs) examples of of, uh, loving people through... uh, or seeing them as more than their worst moments. Yes, I do. I I feel um, like just in my life, I've come across a lot of people, myself included, that have kind of strayed away from God's word and uh, maybe made some poor choices. And through God's unconditional love, we've been able to come back and find him. I know um, personally, when I was around 10, I didn't want to come to church anymore. Um, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And in that moment, I was so angry with God because I was like, how, like my mom goes to church religiously. She volunteers. She's the PTO president. Like my mom, she's the perfect stay at home mom. She's doing everything by the Bible and you gave her cancer. And I was so angry because I didn't understand like, why would this happen? Mm -hmm. And my mom was like, well, it's Sunday and we want to go to church. And I'm like, no. I don't want to go. I don't want to. I don't want to hear God's word. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear His promises because He's breaking my promise. He's breaking this promise to me, and I uh, left the church for a while because I was so angry. And I was able. I came back um, through youth group, through connecting um, with people in youth group, and I came back, and I was able to feel God's love. Nobody in the youth group judged me for not coming mm-hmm. for all those times. Nobody in the youth group. Um, sat there and said, well, you don't belong here. You, you're you questioning God. You're questioning the Bible. Everybody had just shown so much unconditional love that I was like, okay, I, I feel through through these teenagers, I feel God's love um, in person and, and as a physical love. And it was wonderful and it brought it back. But obviously I'm in my 30s now and I have had many friends that have had moments of doubt Mm-hmm. Um, through things that have happened to them. And I've I've seen somebody that was so religious and had such a wonderful relationship with God. I saw them lose their child. Mm-hmm. And I saw the anger mm-hmm. um, kind of take over and I saw them leave. And they have been able to kind of work that out and work that through and, and come back to find Christ. Um, but just what my takeaway of, from that is, is not to abandon them in their time of questioning because nobody abandoned me when I was leaving, mm-hmm. when I was so angry that I couldn't see the truth in his words. Uh, so I have worked very hard to make sure that I haven't abandoned them in their time of questioning and in their time of, yeah. of having a really, of having a really hard time. Yeah. So I've seen them come back and and show the love that, that they've been receiving from yeah. God. Yeah. And God doesn't abandon us in our worst moments. Never. You know, so mm-hmm. um, you know, if we're if we're if our one of our jobs is to point to Christ and to show the love of Christ, then we don't leave people during their worst moments mm-hmm. either. 
nor do we judge them. Of course, we are not perfect. Our faith in Jesus Christ has brought changes to our lives, too. I can share a little bit of something when it speaks to the changes that Christ has brought to my life. Um, Because I came to Christ um, as an adult. Um, And so my husband and I um, were experiencing years of infertility. Um, and that's the resulting um, difficulty on your self-esteem, on your marriage, mm-hmm. on your... It's a, it's a great deal of pressure mm-hmm. um, in a marriage. And we finally got pregnant, and we were so happy and so looking forward to being parents. And then we experienced pregnancy loss. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I was not a Christian at the time, not a practicing Christian. I Mm -hmm. would say I probably was a Christian, but I, but I wasn't practicing my faith. And I remember just thinking, asking God, why, why would this happen? Why? I don't understand if I need to be punished in some way, why would, what Why this way? Mm -hmm. Why it seems cruel. It seems um, unusually harsh for something, some infraction that I may or may not have done. And in that moment, God told me, clear as a bell, I don't work that way. And it was like, you know, one of those instant, I've got goosebumps right now. It's mm-hmm. just one of those instant uh, God moments where he He breaks into your life and, and mm-hmm. there's a difference, an, a, an immediate turnaround. So um, how about you, Lindsay? Any stories wow. of, of uh, that changes that Christ has brought to your life? Wow, the, nothing like that. I'm kind of in the same boat as Chris because I've I've always been raised in the church, so there hasn't really been one moment where I've felt an overwhelming um, message from God. However, just from leaving when I was younger and then coming back and having that love feel so wonderful to be back in the church, Mm. um, to really feel, especially here at Desert Spring, to really feel like this is home. My husband and I have talked about moving. Um, He's from Northern California and he doesn't like the heat. (laughs) And I, every time it gets brought up, I'm like, I can't leave. This is my home. I've been at this church for 22 years and I, I couldn't imagine not having this family here. Mm -hmm. And I always tell him that that's when you know that you found just the perfect spot for you because this church does feel like home when I come on Sundays and I'm here throughout the week as well. And even when I'm here at night by myself, it just feels safe because it feels like home. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. So soon after Jesus talked about not judging, he said, not everyone who cries, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my father will. What do those words mean to you? Chris, what are the words? What That's kind of, there's, those are a little bit 
hard to understand, right? Because we're taught to go cry, Lord, Lord, when we're in a position where, like I did, you know, I wasn't really a Christian or I wasn't a practicing Christian. But in that moment when I was so broken, I cried, Lord, Lord. Yeah. This reminds me of a number of times in the Bible where, you know, it's insinuated that um, that God wants your whole self, you know, all your money, all your time, all everything. And so to me, it, it just shows that just someone who says it alone isn't you aren't doing the work of God if you're just saying it in the same way that if your your works alone will not get you into heaven, right? So it's kind of you have to be a holistic uh, or yeah. I have to be, you know, uh, yeah, holistic approach to it. Right. Yeah, it speaks to the condition of our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think we have to to uh, walk the talk. Exactly. Right? Walk, isn't that the saying? Walk talk. the talk. Walk the <laughs> yeah. talk. Well, I don't know. So. <laughs> Something like that. Throughout Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was teaching us about God's will for our lives. He taught us God's will is that we do not judge others. Do you find this teaching easy or is this difficult to live out? He also taught us to forgive others as we have been forgiven. Do you find this teaching easy or difficult? And he taught us not to worry about tomorrow, but rather to trust God. Is this an easy or a difficult teaching to live out? So these are these are things all three of which I find incredibly difficult. Don't judge others, forgive others, and don't worry about tomorrow is easy to say and difficult to do. So, Lindsay, are there spiritual practices that might help you to worry less, trust more, or to forgive others, or to not judge? Is there some kind of a practice that you do to make sure that you're strong in these teachings? So coming from a mom, I'm a a stay-at-home mom of a five and seven-year-old. So they are like little sponges and they just copy everything. So I try to be very mindful about praying out loud. And being a stay-at-home mom, I take my kids everywhere. Uh, They're always with me. And we're always out doing things. So, And with being a stay-at-home mom, I'm doing things alone. I'm alone with both of my kids. I'm driving around town. Sometimes we're driving outside of the town. Um, so I think it, I find it a little difficult to, to not judge others. Um, but that comes from a place of trying to keep my children safe. I, I try to judge, um, is this a gas station that's safe to pull into if I need gas? Do I feel, I try to feel it out and I feel safe um, going into this convenience store and and different things because I am alone with two children. Mm -hmm. So I kind of have to be mindful of that. However, um, it always brings me back. There is a song that, um, it says, what if it's Jesus and I walked away? And actually the pastor's daughter, Lydia, and I did a, um, miming, uh, skit to it when we were probably, uh, 13 and 16 and we did it for one of the services and we did it to that song and in the song it talks about the person that's in the back of the the church that maybe looks homeless or that looks rough around the edges and it talks about the person in the congregation that maybe is not praying the way that we're used to seeing and i always come back to that song and try to be very mindful about so i pray out loud 
asking for for peace and for safety and for comfort going into these situations because I I really don't want to project anything onto my children. So if we're walking into a convenience store, there's somebody that looks maybe a little rough and maybe they're talking to themselves out loud. Um, I don't want my children to be afraid of these people because the they're just as much a child of God as you or I are. So I try to be very mindful about how I'm speaking mm-hmm. about others, in, especially in front of my children. But my biggest practice is just praying out loud. So um, I've made it a habit with my children in the car. Whenever we see um, police, fire, ambulance, whenever we see them drive by and their lights are on, we say, okay, we're going to say a quick prayer. And we pray for the the person that's at need at the end of the call. And then we pray for the hands that are helping them to make sure that the heroes that are going into that, that they're safe as well and that God is with them when they're um, going to heal and, and help whoever's on the end of that call. So just from from praying out loud in front of them multiple times a day. And it doesn't have to be anything big. It can be, oh, we're praying for the person asking for help on the side of the road. We're praying for the kids that are getting out of school. We've just recently, I've added that we're praying for crossing guards, Mm -hmm. that they are safe and they're getting our children safely across the street. So praying out loud has been the biggest thing that I've tried to, to practice, especially recently. That's awesome. So do they do they point people out and say, Mommy, can we pray? Or they do. They have started. Um, they're especially good about crosswalking, uh, crossing guards right now because they just learned what they are. Because um, I homeschool my kids, so they don't have um, exposure to seeing these types of things. And they just added a crossing guard right next to our house. So the first time they asked what that person was doing, I said, Oh, that person volunteers to make sure that the kids are safe when they're crossing the road. And they said, wow, that's like doing Jesus's work. And I Aww. said, it is. It's it's just like that. So now when we see them, they're more mindful of, of um, noticing them and praying for them. And I had read something a while ago. If you teach your children to count motorcycles, they're more mindful of seeing them. And it helps prevent accidents. Oh, that's wow. a great So yeah. I have my kids look for the motorcycles on the road. And then we pray for the motorcycle's safety. Because we That's always great. hear about motorcycle crashes. Yeah, and yeah. when I got pregnant with Jameson, my husband sold his motorcycle. But he, before I met him, the year before I met him, he was hit head on. Mm. Um, and he still has um, a lot of issues that came from being hit by a car when he was on his motorcycle. So we're very mindful about praying for like the other motorists on the road. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's great. That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. That's really good. So Jesus' Sermon on the Mount teaches us about God's will and kingdom living. Living a faithful life is not easy, but by the grace of God, we do not live it alone. God is with us, and we have each other to help encourage us along the way. Make certain to encourage a brother or a sister in Christ this week. God bless you, and I will see you in church Pastor David. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for spending your time with us. We pray that this time has blessed you and refreshed you on your faith journey. I'd like to thank our guests, Lindsay Hurley and Chris Devereaux for sharing part of their faith stories and their thoughts with us. If you're watching the video of this podcast, please know our audio podcast is available to you through SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can find the devotional in text form along with the links to everything else uh, through our website, desertspringchurch.com and in our social media. Why don't we say a quick prayer in closing? 
loving God. Thank you for Jesus' words about judging others. Help us to not judge others, but to think highly of people and to seek out their stories. Living according to your word isn't easy, and we need encouragement. Please give us the grace to encourage one another and to always point back to you. Thank you for this podcast, this time, and for these people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.